Badger, Chief Growth Officer at Cypress North. We're a digital agency in Buffalo, New York, and you're listening to The Agency Scoop. Each episode, I'll tackle a specific topic from an agency point of view. We're going to talk about what's helping us grow, challenges that we face, how we're working with our clients, and even things that bring us joy. Welcome to this month's episode of the Agency Scoop. First of all, I want to talk a little bit about our training programs and growth and how we train our people internally. We've been interviewing a lot lately. We have a bunch of new people starting in the next month or two. And one thing that a lot of candidates ask from us is how do you do your training? Especially as I've talked about before, we hire a lot of entry-level people. We have a lot of interns that come through here. And so that is something that they ask. They want to know if we're going to train them, if we're going to help them grow to be successful in the next part of their career. And since we have this conversation so often, I thought, why not talk about it on the show? So first of all, as people start here, we try to lay out a specific training schedule and plan to give them a jump start to get them started here at Cypress North. So the first thing we do is we have a training library of internal videos that we've made over the past several years, especially when we were all working from home during the pan- the start of the pandemic. We would record any training sessions that we had so that we could create this Zoom library. And so whether somebody was presenting something to the rest of the team or whether they were training someone one-on-one over Zoom, we could record it and then use it for our for our future purposes. So we have this training library of all of the internal videos we made. We also look at a lot of external trainings and certifications that are really foundational to success in digital marketing. So anything from the Google Ads certification, Google Analytics, anything offered by Microsoft or LinkedIn, HubSpot has a ton of really great trainings that are more general in nature for marketing and then get down to the nitty gritty technical um, stuff for HubSpot specifically, but they have a real, a lot of really great trainings in general, um, Moe's, et cetera, lots of different places that we look for training. So we've created a training spreadsheet that we keep adding to, and we give everyone when they are new here. And it keeps, it has a running list of all of the different internal and external trainings that we know of separated by different topics. And we also have columns in that spreadsheet for what you have been trained on, what you've tried, and what you've mastered. And we ask every new employee to keep track of those things themselves so that they know really where they've learned things before, who's taught them certain things, um, if they've tried it on certain clients, or if they've mastered those techniques because they're doing things over and over again for certain client projects. This also allows the managers to know who has been trained in what, and if they have a new task on a client, they know that somebody has done that task before and knows kind of what they're doing, or they already know how to do it very well. So it's really helpful in keeping track of where everyone is in you know what they know in that foundational knowledge. Besides just training new people when they come to the organization, we have a real focus on growth and learning on an ongoing basis. So everyone here, whether they've been here for one month or 10 years, is constantly learning and growing. And that's a huge thing in digital marketing. Things are changing all of the time. So there's never going to be a point where you've mastered everything or that you know everything about digital marketing because something will change and you'll have to learn. So we have fostered this 
culture of collaboration and helping each other learn through what's changing, what's being updated in the industry, what new things are out there. And so a few things that we do to foster that culture of collaboration is our Monday morning meetings. So a lot of agencies have a Monday meeting where they go through the status of projects and it might be more of a production meeting. Our Monday meeting is really focused on what did you learn the week before? So the whole marketing team sits down and we go round robin and everyone says one thing that they learned the week before. And it might be something that they learned while they were working on a client account. It might be something that they read in an article or watched in a webinar, but they're sharing with the team what they learned that hopefully they can spread that knowledge around a little bit. And if someone is facing the same problem or if they were challenged by something that they didn't know, now they kind of have a solution or know that someone else faced it. We also have a marketing Slack channel where we share things um, that we learned, articles, videos, any kind of opportunity for other training. All of that is in the Slack channel as well. We also do Friday meetings that are what we call digital marketing 101s. And sometimes they're more of 101, sometimes they're a little more advanced level. But each Friday, we have a half an hour to an hour scheduled off for the whole marketing team to attend if they'd like, and we do a deep dive on a specific subject. And so that is a way to not just graze the topic, but really get deep down and um, let people learn you know, what somebody else was working on. Um, we also have our marketing team lead, Greg, who leads strategy sessions um, two to three times a week in the morning where he will, anyone can jump in on Zoom or in person to view what he's doing in his Google Ads accounts for certain clients. So he'll walk through why he's making certain adjustments, what kinds of strategies he's using, and really talk through the why of what he's doing to help train on not just the tactics, but the strategy and, and the why of it all. And of course, any kind of impromptu trainings or sharings. Again, we're constantly recording things as we're working with clients. So for presenting recommendations to a client, we typically record that for the client's benefit. But we also save all of those to help train people internally. If they've never been to a meeting like that or they haven't been involved in a project like that, we'll let them view that um, recording. And you know, sharing documents, sharing articles, sharing webinars, all of those different types of things are, are shared here throughout the week and every single day. And of course, as I talked about in a previous episode, we have monthly or bi-monthly, depending on your position, growth meetings. So we sit down once a month and talk about your specific goals, what kinds of things you need to learn to grow in your career, what kinds of things we can help you learn or how we can help you reach those goals and make sure that our training is really focused around that and that we're finding those opportunities for each employee. So all of this kind of culminates in what is the growth path for our employees. And on the marketing side, we really outlined our path over the last year or so. It used to be that everyone here was either a digital marketing coordinator or a digital marketer. And so we really outlined several different titles and positions and what each of those means from intern to coordinator to digital marketing associate to strategist to manager and a few levels in between. So if you don't want to become a manager and you're more of a strategist, you can become a senior strategist. Same with manager, you can become a senior manager or director. So we have several different um 
positions and titles available, and we laid out bullet points for each of them to say what that person should be able to do. And once they've mastered all of those things, they're ready to move to the next level. And so this could take three years to move to the next level, or it could take three months. It's really all up to the individual and how fast that they're learning and internalizing the information and gaining that experience and working with clients and working on the different types of business that we have. So we have an employee who started with us as an intern last spring, and we hired her full-time as a coordinator. And a few months later, we promoted her to associate, and she recently was just promoted again to strategist. And so within a year, three promotions is pretty great. And so um, that is a really fast timeline for someone, but it's totally possible. And so we're not like a lot of other places where they'll say, well, you've had this title for two years, you've done an okay job, I think it's time to move you up. Our growth timeline is really based on the person and how fast that they want to learn and grow and the responsibilities that they want to take on. And with promotions and the ability to take on more responsibilities, that naturally typically comes with a higher salary each time you get promoted, and which is probably where the hesitation of other companies come in with making promotions so quickly down the path. But we're happy to pay people more as they can progress more and take on that responsibility and grow more in their career. So as we continue to focus on all of these different ways that we grow our people and nurture their careers, we continually look at everyone's pay and adjust as needed. And we want to make sure that we're investing in everyone's training and growth and then rewarding them as such. And we want to make sure they're happy with what they're earning. And so with doing that, you know, we, we look at salaries and pay every couple months instead of just a year end like some other companies. And we make sure that as everyone's growing, they're, they're getting paid accordingly. So growth and how people grow is really something that we're thinking about every single day and we're really excited about. I'd love to hear from you and how your agencies treat training, any kind of training programs or things that you do to make sure that people are growing um, internally on an ongoing basis. It'd be great to know. So this week, I have a really special guest with us, Barry Schwartz, who came here all the way from New York City. And he came for a couple days and, and hung out with us here at Cypress North and did a lot of interviews for his own content. And I was lucky to sit down with him as a guest on the Agency Scoop. So Barry Schwartz is the CEO and founder of Rusty Brick, which is a software services agency in New York. And he's also the founder of Search Engine Roundtable, and he's created content about search marketing for about 18 years. He's been a news editor. He has hosted numerous events, conferences. He's a speaker. He has been interviewed in huge publications, some with a, more of a circulation even than the agency scoop, like Forbes, Reuters, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and Bloomberg. And we're just excited to have him here today to talk about search content and how he founded his agency and the journey along the way. So enjoy this interview with Barry Schwartz. Well, thank you, Barry, for coming on the Agency Scoop. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about you and your background. So I'm Barry Schwartz, um, more well-known in, I guess, on your channel as being somebody who writes a lot about search marketing more on the organic side, a little bit on the paid side. Uh, but I also own a company called Rusty Brick. Uh, it's a New York-based company in closer to the New York City area, Rockland County. Um, and we do a lot of software development, custom software development from 
web software to mobile app development, mostly around making companies more efficient. Okay. And what's the story behind Rusty Brick? How did you start it? So my twin brother and I, a lot of people don't know I have a twin brother, but I have a twin brother. Uh, he started programming when he was, I don't know, in high school, like ninth grade. Um, and I saw there may be money in that. So we kind of formed a, a business unofficially when we were 14. Um, wow. Yeah. In 90, 1994. Um, he put like the name Rusty Brick together and we're like, okay, let's, used to be Rusty Brick Software. The logo used to be RBS. Uh, then we got rid of the software part and just went with Rusty Brick because all the cool internet companies were just going with weird names. <laughs> um, and we kind of brought on small clients when we were kids, like the local Chinese shop and whatever. And then my brother is like, I don't want to meet with people. I just want to program. So I went out. And I'm like, what do I tell people? Could we, could we, I don't know if we could build this or not. He's like, just say yes. We could build everything. And I just saying yes to everything. We could do that. We could do this. We ended up getting hired by a... Um, like a doctor association that basically fulfills doctors in emergency rooms. Okay. Uh, we built emergency room hospital software as, in our young 20s. Um, and then we brought on lots and lots of clients over the years, building everything from party planning software to taxi cab software to e really advanced e-commerce to really cool mobile apps. Um, so we do anything that's custom and it just kind of naturally spurred from that idea in high school to a hobby that my brother had of programming to making it into a business. Wow. So that's really impressive. So he was the developer and the, the talent skill set in that point, And you came in as the business mind, right? To go sell it and whatever, grow it. Yeah. Whatever two 14 year olds in terms of programming <laughs> and business means. Yeah. <laughs> but back then it was basically, that was, that's what it was. So um, it was fun. Um, we, it was great because we started slow, no expenses, you know, working out of our bedrooms in our parents' house. Um, and then, you know, then moving into the garage like most companies do when, at that early age, getting <laughs> our first office and then expanding over the years and now having a massive office that's empty because everybody wants to work from home. So Wow. Yeah. Wow. So what have, um, over the years working with family, what kind of challenges did you face with working with your twin brother? So and he just says yes to everything I say. So it's no problem. No, it's very, it's very, he's more on the, he makes the technology decisions. I make the business decisions mm -hmm. and it's worked out great. You know, you know, we've been in business, you know, since the nineties and, you know, we still have a lot of happy employees, happy customers and so forth. So, and we're profitable. So can't ask for anything more. That's amazing. That's amazing. You don't hear that often with many family businesses that they get through that many years without yeah, it's, it's, falling apart or hating each other. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a different situation where, again, the the duties of the business are very clear. Like he makes his decisions, I make my decisions. I don't care about what decisions he makes outside of the financial impact and he doesn't care about decisions I make outside of the impact on the technology. So it's very, very clear. Uh, we both trust each other in terms of making the best decisions for the company. Great. Um, so I know you develop a lot of apps for yourself for Rusty Brick and then you have your client work. Um, what really drives the business? Which part is bigger, I guess? So it's really the, so the client consulting work, the building software for our clients. We've built a bunch of novelty apps or apps that are very useful, actually used all the time uh, for purposes that we felt were useful for ourselves. So I'm Jewish, I, I'm observant Jew, I pray every day. We have like a, what's called a sitter or prayer book. Mm -hmm. That's basically smart. It knows where you are, what time of the day is, and it'll show you what you need to pray at that time, at that location. It tells you the closest synagogue to you. and So, so stuff that we find useful, it doesn't really make us money. It's not like paying my Jewish private day school um, bills. 
Um, but that is something, a way for us to give back to the community. Just like you guys do these shows, it's a way for you mm -hmm. guys to give back to the community. Um, and then, um, our, yeah, so our, we also built a SaaS pla a platform, um, we went to a few SaaS platforms that we actually made a significant amount of money on when we sold to private equity. Um, not going to be specific about it. What, what, what it was exactly, because I never actually mentioned that on camera. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure if I actually can talk about it. So I'll let you know if I cut that out. I'm not sure. But okay. it's been over three years. But we sold the SaaS platform. And I think it's okay for me to say that because all the customers know we sold it because whatever it might be. And that we did well with that. We did well with that as in terms of selling it to the customers. And we did well in terms of the sale. And then uh, we were doing a bunch of other small SaaS platforms that we're not looking to sell it. We never looked to sell any of this stuff to private equity. It's just that we felt there's a need for it. So we kind of look at what we could build um, that are useful to us or our communities. Um, and hopefully it just takes off from there. In terms of the consulting work, you know, we have customers that come to us and say, we need to be more efficient or we need to do more sales or we need to do X, Y, and Z or taxi cab software or busing software. So we'll pretty much do anything that's out of the box. If they want e-commerce, we'll be like, go to Shopify or Monster Commerce. But if they want something that is not something that's built, we will build it from scratch. Cool. All right. How do you, how do you get new business? We don't do any online marketing. Coming from a person who talks about marketing all day long, <laughs> uh, we do zero online marketing. We all, it's basically word of mouth. Because mm -hmm. the kind of customers we get um, are spending a lot of money on a piece of software and I don't think anybody who's going to click on an ad to entrust us from that. Mm -hmm. Maybe there might be some, but most of the stuff I get through any online search traffic is people asking for free advice. Um, so most of our, I would say most of our stuff comes from um, word of mouth or through the stuff we do for the community or community at large in terms of the apps that we build and so forth. Okay, that makes sense. Um, how have you grown the business over time from a staffing perspective? It started with the two of you, and how big are you now? So we're about, we're, we were we were over like 25 people, close to 30, Then we sold that SaaS platform. We, we mm -hmm. dropped about 8 to 10 people. So we're about the 15-person range now. Okay. I think everybody's technically on-site, but we're working remote. We only, historically, we've only actually hired people that were able to work in our office because we wanted to have a culture and kind of fester off that but now it's like especially for developers i assume for anything you hire anybody even for a supermarket um it's impossible to find people so now we're willing to take remote people um, but we still want them to be somewhat close to the office so that if we do want them to come in for whatever purpose they can um but we're much more easygoing about working remotely especially because 90 percent of our 95 percent of our workers actually work from from home <laughs> so but hard, hiring people has been um almost impossible these days um, pretty much, especially developers. I'm in New York, like right next to New York City. So I'm competing against all the big financial firms. Google has offices there, Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really hard to compete there. So we try to like, we compete on saying, all right, you're not going to get the highest salary, but if you want a great work-life balance and stuff like that. So that's been our pitch. Um, but now with everybody being able to work from home, even from, from those companies, which might change in a month from now, it might start getting easier. But it's been pretty hard um, in the past you know, six months or so to find good talent. Luckily, most of our employees have been with us for 10 plus years. Um, and they see the value in that. We did actually lose a couple employees during um, the past six months, especially now because hiring is so impossible. Mm -hmm. People are paying crazy money and it was great opportunities for them and we just couldn't compete. So, um, which is good. So a lot of those uh, employees are still with us in terms of constantly communicating with them, 
one actually worked for some, went to get a job at some big firm, and they hired our, our company to do a pro, massive project for them. So Love that. Teams kind of works out in the end, so I'm much more relaxed these days about running a business. You run the business here, right? There. I help, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> I work with Matt and Greg, and I do a lot of the new business development yeah, and so all of that. A lot of stress in terms of making sure the profit loss statement looks right and making sure the employees are happy and all that type of stuff. So um, I've learned to relax over the years since doing this for like a long time, since I was you know 15. So I've been doing this for a long, long time. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Everyone that I've talked to in the past, I would say four to six months, it brings that up too. What are your biggest challenges? It's like hiring. Yeah. Hiring is so hard right now. Competing, um, finding good applicants. Like I used to post a job for a project manager two years ago and you'd get 200 resumes yeah. in a day. Now you post it for three weeks. You're lucky if you get 10 resumes and um, most of them are garbage. So it's, it's hard funny. to it's, find good people, you know, much less keep them. It's so. funny. If somebody applies to my company, I'm like, why, what's wrong with you? What's, you know, <laughs> Like, why are you looking for a job? You put them through the test. Yeah. And often more, we have a quick test we send them. Like, please take this quick programming test. And it weeds out people in no time. Um, but we're, we're really looking hard to find. If anybody is a developer in the tri-state New York area looking for a job, it's a good place to work. So hopefully you guys will apply. <laughs> it's mostly a LAMP stack. So mostly PHP, SQL, mobile, native mobile app development. So... Yeah. Nice. Well, so you talked a little bit about your culture and work-life balance. What kinds of things do you do that are that you think are different or that would make people want to work for you? It's interesting you say that because now everybody talks about doing this because they have to to get employees. But back in the old days, it was like people would just mistreat their employees. I, you know, I want to treat employees like I would want them to treat me. Um, there's like everybody, like I will take out the garbage in the office. I will you know, do whatever it takes because I'm not any better than any one of my employees. In fact, they're all better than me because I hire them because they have skills that I don't have. Um, so it's really just like valuing their time and um, making sure, you know, they are happy working for us, not just, you know, financially fit and making sure they can financially afford to do what they need to do. That's obviously a, a prerequisite for anything in terms of hiring somebody. You know, you can't underpay them. You have to make sure they can support their families uh, but it all comes back to their families. Like, you know, do they have time to be with their families? Do they have time to take care of their kids if they're sick or whatever it might be, especially during COVID? I remember COVID hit, uh, it was like March 2020, and they're all freaking out. And I said, I promise you, you will have a you will have a job here. Even if we don't get a dime from a customer today for the next year, you will have your full salary for the next year no matter what. Wow. And most of them deeply appreciate it. They all appreci appreciated that, but then you know, a year and a half later when they get a job offer for twice what they're, what they're making, <laughs> um, which is, I can't imagine paying somebody that much. Um, it, it, they took it, uh, some of them, one or two of them took it, and I don't blame them. I'm happy for them. I, it makes sense for them and their family. At the same time, I don't think you would get that from most companies where the, the CEO would basically say, don't worry, even if a we don't have a dime coming into the business for the next year, I actually, six months later, I said for another two years because we got the PVP loan uh, and stuff like that. So I said, you're good for at least another two years. Um, they appreciated that. Thank thankfully, our business was great. We didn't have any slowdown in revenue or anything like that during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, we were very, very lucky. Um, but I didn't know. Nobody knew. When we first hit, nobody knew how their revenues would be impacted. All our customers called us and said, we might have to scale back. Some of them kind of did. Some of them increased rev you know, spending. So... It was a very scary situation, but 
thankfully I'm a paranoid person and I always put enough money away for, you know, worst case scenarios. Global pandemic. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> Who knew that's what you were saving for? Yeah. Well, that sounds really great. And I, I agree. It's really hard to tell people. I always talk about how great I, uh, Cypress North is and how I love it here. And it's so intangible to be like, I really trust them because they're good people. And then people are like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's like it's hard to explain why or what that means or how you can put that into real terms of what you get here versus somewhere else. Right. So it's um, it's just a, a challenge for everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it shows. I mean, you guys have grown significantly over the past, you know, 10 years or so, even less, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, I know Greg for a long time. Um, he's a, just a genuine, nice guy. Um, he won't be seeing this because he doesn't know that I think that about him. Um, but, <laughs> we'll use it for blackmail. Yeah. Um, but no, he's a good guy. And um, it all starts with just being a good person and mm -hmm. treating people with respect and doing whatever you can to protect your people. So yeah, everybody says, oh, our company is like a family. You see that from like the Walmart commercials where a family... Yeah, may, yeah, I mean, it's hard to be a family when you're Walmart size. But, you know, it's easy for us. We're a smaller company. Like I have a, you know, yeah. I'm a 15 person, used to be 25 person company. You guys are a 25 person company. It's easier for us to do that um, because we're in that sweet spot where we're small, but yet we probably have enough revenue to go ahead and, you know, take care of our employees in the way they need to be taken care of. Yeah. It's a big, um, trust is a big item of that. So like when you say, I'll, I'll pay your salary for two years, don't worry about anything. Even if we have no business, you still have a job for at least two years. If three months later you came back and said, eh, sorry, never mind, we actually don't have any business and now I got to cut five of you, then everyone wouldn't trust you anymore and they probably wouldn't you know, feel the same way about you. So the fact that you say those things and they believe it and well, I didn't they know to, that it's true. It didn't happen. I mean, we didn't, we, our clients did end up paying us, most of them, not, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not all of them. And we had revenue coming in, so it wasn't an issue. But yeah, if it would have been not one dime for a year, I would have kept my word. So. Yeah, that's great. Um, so what are your, besides hiring, do you have any other big challenges that your agency is facing right now? It's all about resources, you know, having enough people, getting what the clients want done in a certain amount of time. The other issues haven't been issues in a while, like finding the right clients. That's always somewhat, that used to be an issue where the clients would mistreat our employees and mistreat us. And I would always tell my clients back then, it'd be like, if you want to yell at one of my employees, don't come to me and yell at me. I don't want you taking out an employee because that's not your place. You can't do that. Um, so we don't, we haven't had clients like that. Um, thankfully in a long time, you know, most of our clients have been pretty good about paying. So making re receivables is always an issue for a lot of customers. Um, so thankfully that hasn't been an issue recently. Um, we're just very, in a very good spot right now. Um, the only thing we, I, we could use more of are, you know, employees. People. Yeah. People. Good people. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you see impacting your business the most in the next few years, positively or negatively? It's the people. I mean, again, yeah. I always say like happy programmers make for happy code, make for happy, you know, customers. And then that cycle goes on and on and happy customers lead to more customers. So it's just about making sure our people are happy and productive. This way it trickles down to building out really great code and really great products for our customers who then recommend this to their customers and their and their colleagues, so it's, that's the cycle. So as long as we can keep doing that, and I think we need we, can, we need to keep finding good people to do that. So, so what trends in your industry are you most excited about? So that, that's a that's a hard one. So I'm, there's always something new technology wise. So 
initially we were just doing web software. Then the mobile iOS came out, um, iPhone apps. And the first iPhone came out, I was like lined up at the door waiting to pick it up. And there were no apps on it. So I'm like, what could we build? Um, so I think I asked my brother, like, could we build anything? Like, they don't let us build anything. There's no apps. So then Steve Jobs was convinced to go ahead and let the third-party developers build. So then we built, you know, some of our first apps. Um, then we built for Android because Android came out after that. After that, there was some, um, I think, Google Glass or those things. So mm -hmm. we built some stuff for that, which was cool. Oh, cool. Um, then there's some, we didn't really get into the AR and VR stuff. Not so much, just a little bit here, specifically within apps. Um, and it's hard to say. I'm really into like the home automation, home kit type of stuff. Like how could you integrate your software with things in your office or things in your home. So like when you should turn the lights on or the heat on based on, on timer data or task management stuff. Kind of like integrating different areas of your business into physical aspects of your business as well. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like the home automation, office automation types of solutions. Um, and personally, I'm like really excited about the next evolution of electronic, like EV cars, mm. electronic stuff and seeing if they offer any type of SDKs, especially around, you know, CarPlay and Android Auto. CarPlay is like adopted in every car and everybody uses it. They can't get a car without it. Um, and in fact, my lease, I don't know, three years ago was like, I could only get a car that had CarPlay. And it was like one car that had it. Um, that was a sedan that had all-wheel drive and I got that one. And ever since then, I couldn't go to a car without it. And I think voice, like search everywhere, if you think about it that way, like search anywhere you go, like in the car, on the refrigerator, you know, on your, you know, talking to things and stuff like that. Um, and then visual search with, I thought Google Glass would be really cool, like look at stuff and be able to like you know, handle that. I also got the spectacles from Snapchat, oh, which okay. I, never, I wore like once or twice. I drove here wearing the Facebook Ray-Ban glasses. Oh. They died like five minutes into the drive. Um, <laughs> and so those are the types of things. I like how there's integration with technology in your life and your office. Yeah. That's really cool when you think about like a smart home and I'd love to be at my office and think, oh, I got to send an Instacart order. Hey, fridge, what are we out of? <laughs> you yeah. know, those kinds of things. Like yeah. all of those practical applications would be nice. Right. During COVID, like when I used to come home from the office, as I left my office, I set my purifier in my home office to start to go on and like say, kids, get out of this office. I'm coming home because they were like all over the place and stuff. So I'm like <laughs> they exited the room, the air purifier went on cleared out the whole entire home office. Um, so it's just stupid things like that, like patterns. Like I'm all about, my mind works about efficiency. How can I do something in the most efficient way so I get the most amount of stuff done? Mm -hmm. I, get, I mean, most people think they get a lot done. And then the people who see me, how, how much I get done, say, oh, you, do, you get a lot more done than most people. Um, so it's all about just how can I cut steps out of everything and make things just a little bit more efficient mm -hmm. um, from even like where I put my phone in my pocket. Usually I never keep it in my pocket down here. I keep it over here because mm -hmm. then it's just like, like that. Easier to grab to like it. Going in here, getting it out of your pocket. It's, it's stupid things, but that's the way I work and it drives my wife crazy. Uh, <laughs> she's like, Everything you do, you have to do in a certain way that make sure you, you take you take the least amount of steps. It's like, it won't kill you to lose some weight to take a little bit more steps to go up downstairs. <laughs> Instead of, you know, you, go, you walk back downstairs just to turn off the light. You don't have to do it when you walk upstairs the first time. I'm like, no, I'm doing it when I'm downstairs. I'm not. So then not all our light switches are completely automated. So if kids leave off, kids leave the lights on, I'm just constantly turning stuff off. And people could be in rooms, I'm turning stuff off, and they get annoyed at me. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm all into that type of like technology integrated into your day-to-day -day lives. That's cool. That's cool. I like that. 
Um, so what would you tell someone who is new or just graduating college or just starting a new career, but getting into software development industry or the marketing industry? They should first apply to Rusty. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> what should they do? Um, they should, ha- they should just do it if they love it. Like they, if their mind thinks about, at least with us, most of our programmers think, I see this being done this way. How can I go ahead and make that more efficient? Mm-hmm. And that's like the mind of a programmer looks at things and says, you know, that doesn't make sense to do it that way. We should really be done doing this, this, and this way. We get so many of our clients coming to us say, I use a spreadsheet for this. I use Google Docs for that. Mm-hmm. I use this for that. We're like, you know how much time and effort you're wasting? You just, it used to, when I first started doing billing for my company, it used to take me almost all day to do the billing. Mm-hmm. Now it takes me about, I just review the timesheets very quickly. There's like flags and AI or technology that highlights issues. And then I press one button and the invoices go out. It takes me literally like 10 minutes to do billing as it used to take me all, it used to take me all day. So anything that they could do to like make life better or more efficient in personal life or business life, if a programmer could think about solutions or hacks or whatever to do that, I think they're, that's, a, they know they want to go into programming if they, if they do that. Um, great. Um, okay. Lightning round before we wrap up. Favorite thing to read outside of SEO news? That's tough because people ask me what my hobby is and it's SEO news. Um, <laughs> no joke. Um, favorite thing, I guess, EV news, electronic news, electronic car news, or uh, I like Wired Magazine. Okay. Best way to relax outside of work? Work? Do you relax outside of work? No. I mean, <laughs> I, so I am. I'm, I've heard you rarely sleep. I, I So I sleep a lot on Shabbat, which is a Jewish, you know, whatever. So I have to be completely offline for 25 hours. Um, from Friday night till Saturday night. So I get that offline time with family and stuff and I oh. sleep a lot there too. Uh, so it's that time. That's the that's the one thing I do. So it's I get that time offline. Otherwise, I really prefer to work mm-hmm. over anything else. Just be online all day, every day. I would love to be, just be online 24-7 <laughs> and never disconnect. Oh my gosh. Okay, best thing to happen or change during the pandemic that you hope stays around? Um all these online delivery features, you press a button and everything just shows up no matter what. The Amazon was great at that before the pandemic where you press a button, you get something in like six hours or mm-hmm. less. Um, they slowed down with COVID, but now they're getting back to there. But now it's like everything, every single restaurant, you press a button, comes to your door. Um, again, it would be healthier if I got up and walk, and you know got in the car and drove there or walked to the place. But it's just, I love it. I love that you could do target pickup, you press a button and they just put it in your trunk. Mm-hmm. Um, the basically less social physical social interactions with people is better in my opinion (laughs) okay cool i like those features too (laughs) i like that social distancing was great i enjoyed it yeah (laughs) well thank you so much tell our listeners where they can find more of your content um i know you have a long list of places but where do you post the most or where do you the easiest way to find it is on twitter at rusty brick okay that's my username Great. So follow at Rusty Brick on Twitter. Thank you so much, Barry. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Agency Scoop. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe so you don't miss a show. You can also find us on the Cypress North YouTube channel or follow The Agency Scoop on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'd love to hear your ideas for future topics. See you next time on The Agency Scoop.